Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. kittens are. This is Sports Crunch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell, and it's hard to believe that we are already pretty much at the quarter pole of this 2021 NFL season, and the NFL so far has to be very, very, very pleased with the product on the field, and nearly every primetime game so far this season has been a photo finish. Only one unbeaten team remains, and it's a team nobody, and I mean nobody expected to be in the position they're currently in, and no clear-cut Super Bowl favorite has emerged in either conference as of yet. I know I say this every year, but I'll say it again. Despite all its flaws, and there are many, and we document a lot of them on this program, the NFL overall just seems to get better and better every single year, doesn't it, Hal Bent? Every year, Every week, it seems, we get better and better. And last week was no exception. There were so many great games, fantastic finishes, upsets, uh, craziness going on. I mean, I, my, my notes are over, overwhelming me, David. There's just too much to talk about here. It's fantastic. We're, we're knee-deep in football, and I love it. I love it as well. Before we go to the biggest segment of our program today, Let's talk about our main takeaways from week four, and I'll go first. First, the rookie quarterbacks came to play. It started on Thursday night with Trevor Lawrence playing absolutely the best game of his young career so far. The Jaguars might not have won, and they have other organizational issues they need to correct and correct immediately, but Trevor Lawrence just completed so many amazing throws that game. He was just unbelievable. And on Sunday, you saw Zach Wilson lead the Jets to their first win of the Robert Sala era. He just lit it up. He looked like a completely different quarterback than the one we saw against the Patriots and Broncos in the weeks prior. And Justin Fields, thanks to a change in play caller, he absolutely shined in his Soldier Field debut. And Mac Jones, despite a losing effort, he showed exactly why the Patriots got rid of Cam Newton and kept him. Yes, he made some rookie mistakes in that game, but he looks to be the guy in New England for the next decade or so. The future is bright in the NFL because of all these rookie quarterbacks. And how about those Arizona Cardinals, the only undefeated team left? They just, uh, last week we... We're talking about, oh, the Rams are the best team in the league. They made a statement. They knocked off the defending champions. They annihilated them in their own building. The Arizona Cardinals said, what about us? They just came to SoFi Stadium and punched the Rams in the mouth and annihilated them, and they are making a case for why they're the best team in the league. Not only are they the lone undefeated team, Kyler Murray has taken that next step forward and has proven himself to be a franchise quarterback and that defense led by that amazing front and that blossoming young back end. Oh my God. So many great things going on with that defense. JJ Watt can still ball Chandler Jones can still ball and they have the fifth best third down defense in the entire national football league. The Arizona Cardinals don't write them off. They're not a joke. Great, great point, David. Kyler Murray, the team scored over 31 points in all four games. He's completing 70, more than 75% of his passes and has thrown for over 1,200 yards in four games. That is MVP numbers. That is elite 
quarterback production on a winning team. Kyler Murray showing everybody he's the real deal. I can't agree more. And if there's anybody that's challenging him for MVP, just like everybody predicted with Arizona 4-0, it's got to be Cordero Patterson. Wait, what? Cordero Patterson? Offensive player of the year? What is going on with the play calling? A blossoming first-round pick eight years later? Is he figuring it out? I don't know, but it's fun to watch. That's all I know. He's leading the league in touchdowns without any special teams touchdowns. It, it, it's mind-blowing. And, and, you know, talking about young quarterbacks, we left off third-round pick Davis Mills uh, for good reason. Oh, my goodness. The, the poor young man has got to be traumatized right now after that Bills defense. Buffalo, the, just I mean, week one against the Steelers, obviously an aberration. I think if there's an AFC team that's a Super Bowl favorite right now, I'm looking at the Buffalo Bills because both sides of the ball, they've had two games where they've won by 35 or more points and shut out the opponents. That's only ever happened with one other team in the modern era. And that's the 85 Chicago bears. So if we're putting a team in that category, all eyes on Buffalo, I'm a believer in Buffalo right now. Best team in the AFC super bowl contender right now. That's what I'm looking at, David. Yes, and they have a golden opportunity to prove you right this Sunday night, and we will get to that game in Ooh, just yeah. a little bit. But before we do, it's time to hand out our annual quarter poll awards for this 2021 NFL season. And we start with the MVP. I think uh, it's pretty unanimous here that it's Kyler Murray. Uh, headed into the season, I, I even had some doubts that Kyler Murray, can he take that next step? Can he become an elite passer? Can he become a quarterback that passes and runs as a last resort. Oh my God, has he grown? He is just hanging in the pocket as much as he is running outside the pocket like he did Sunday. He completed all of his big throws against the Rams from the pocket. He has grown exponentially. Kyler Murray is the catalyst behind the Cardinals' amazing 4 0 start. He is the MVP at the quarter pole. Without a doubt, I, nothing I can add to that. I mean, I, I started off spouting about Kyla Murray MVP no questions asked yep so we are simpatico on MVP at the quarter pole and for that let's sound the simpatico alert and now on to offensive player of the year I thought long and hard about this but after what we saw from the Chargers on Monday night I gotta go with Justin Herbert Justin Herbert oh my god he is launching himself into Patrick Mahomes territory. That is how special Justin Herbert is. And he is just picking up right where he left off his rookie season. And not only that, he is becoming more and more and more clutch. He is just an assassin on third down. Oh my goodness. And on fourth down, it's no wonder why Brandon Staley likes to go for on fourth down because he believes in Justin Herbert and who wouldn't believe in Justin Herbert We'll get to Brandon Staley in a little bit, but Justin Herbert, he's my offensive player of the year at the quarter pole. 
Yeah, I, I think I tipped mine in the introduction, here, David. Uh, I'm going Cordero Patterson here. Come on. I mean, uh, let's let's root for the underdog. You know, maybe he's only for the quarter pole and won't uh, hold this up throughout the season. But he is an offensive weapon. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of people we can put in here as offensive player of the year. Herbert, great choice. Derrick Henry leading the league in rushing again. Matthew Stafford having a fantastic season for the Rams as well. Patrick Mahomes, you can't ever overlook Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, Debo Samuel having a great year in San Francisco. Cooper Cup as well. I mean, oh, there's just there's just too many to choose from. But I'm going to go with the heart and root for the underdog. Cordero Patterson, quarter pole offensive player of the year. I like it. I like it, Hal. And now, Defensive Player of the Year at the quarter, Paul. You go first here, my friend. Oh, so many different choices here. I mean, Miles Garrett has just been a wrecking ball for Cleveland. Uh, just fantastic in the backfield consistently. Um, you know, T.J. Watt, when healthy is doing T.J. Watt things, don't forget what Chandler Jones did in week one. Um, you know, he's got Marcus Golden with him there as well, having a huge year. Um, pick a Bosa, pick a Watt. You can't go wrong either way. Right. Uh, Vaughn Miller can't go. I mean, Oh, talk about who's back. Look out. Um, but I'm going to go with someone who again is a little bit of a surprise, but week. I mean, this goes back to, uh, you know, training camp opening eyes with a little national audience on his training camp. And just throughout the season, Trayvon Diggs. Dallas's 2020 second round pick out of Alabama. What a superstar we have budding in front of us in Dallas. He's changed the whole team. I mean, they have a legitimate offense, a defense because of Trayvon Diggs. He is a true shutdown corner. He is just, you know, the ball's near him. He's going to get it. Top of the list. Love him. Love the way he plays. His aggressiveness, his defensive style. He's been a he's a superstar. I'm giving it Trayvon Diggs, the quarter pole defensive player of the year. Trayvon Diggs was one of my finalists for this honor as well. But I thought to create more balance amongst teams, I would give it to somebody else. And that person is Miles Garrett. Miles yeah. Garrett has asserted himself this season as the best edge pass rusher in the National Football League, period. T.J. Watt is a very close second, don't get me wrong. But Miles Garrett, he came into the NFL with Von Miller, Khalil Mack hype, and he is justifying that hype more than ever, just constantly in the backfield. You saw what he did against the Vikings last week. There was one play where the Vikings put three people on him, and he still got a hit on Kirk Cousins on the play. Oh, my God, he is just a freak of nature. Miles Garrett, he has become the player that we all expect him to be he is my defensive player of the year at the quarter pole and now let's go on to offensive rookie of the year and in a classic example of why training camp buzz doesn't come true all the time i'm going with jamar chase every story out of Bengals camp was like oh my god can he get separation can he adjust to the nfl can he catch the ball he has proven all those doubters wrong in an instant. 
Oh my God, he and Joe Burrow have picked up right where they left off from their Baton Rouge days. And he and Burrow together, that connection is the catalyst behind the Bengals' three and one star. Jamar Chase is my offensive rookie of the year at the quarter pole. Chase can't argue with that. Um, love Jalen Waddle. You know, I, Kyle Pitts, put him in the game plan. What's going on? We finally saw that last week um, in Atlanta. But, hey, I'm going to play the homer here because nobody saw this one coming. And you already mentioned him uh, in your introduction, David, as well, with the rookie quarterbacks. But Mac Jones in New England, this guy looks like Tom Brady light, 2001 style, um, 70% plus completion percentage. He went toe-to-toe with the GOAT and may have outperformed him on Sunday night. Yeah, offensive rookie of the year. I'm looking at you, Mac. Yeah, Mac Jones has been a pleasant surprise. Whether he gets to be Tom Brady 2.0 remains to be seen, but he is going to be a very, very, very serviceable quarterback for the Patriots for the next decade or so, as I said. And now for defensive rookie of the year, Hal, who do you have? I already tipped my hand on this one, right? So (laughs) (laughs) trying to jump ahead, I guess. Uh, I was just so excited uh, to talk about him. But yeah, staying in Dallas, Micah Parsons, uh, already an impact player. Um, You know, I think he's one of those players that we're going to look back in three or four years and say, how did he last to to number 12? You know, like one of those redrafts where you say, he's got to be in the top five somewhere there. He's got to be because he he plays like a veteran. And we talked uh, last week and the week before about Micah Parsons. We can't stop talking about him because every week he's either out there making plays, um, you know, in the running game, uh, covering tight ends, whether he's on the edge as a pass rusher stepping in, he does it all. And he has just been eye-opening and between Parsons and, and Diggs, that's why Dallas is in first place, those young players. So Micah Parsons, my, uh, defensive rookie of the year at the quarter pole that is a very good choice and that is an obvious choice and for that reason i decided to go out on a little bit of a limb here and by the way i am in total agreement with you about how special micah parsons is but i'm going to go with somebody who nobody expected to be playing as great as he is right now odafe away in baltimore the 31st overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft and Micah Parsons teammate at Penn state, another Penn state Nittany lion and Odafe Owe. He made the game deciding plays in the Ravens upset over the chiefs in week two. And he has notched two sacks. The question was coming into the league. Oh, he had no sacks last year. Can he get to the quarterback? He has answered that question. He looks like a Daniil Hunter 2.0 in the works and Don Martindale and that Ravens defense just are raving about him for the right reasons. He is going to be a linchpin of that Baltimore defense for the next eight to 10 years. Odafe Owe is my defensive rookie of the year at the quarter pole. And for comeback player of the year, I passed over Trayvon Diggs for defensive player of the year, even though he was a finalist. I decided to pass over Micah Parsons for defensive rookie of the year because he was a too obvious choice to me. But for comeback player of the year, I'm going to Big D and going with Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, he is playing the best football of his career to start the season. 
And uh, the question was, oh, will he look the same coming back from ankle surgery? Oh, my God. His efficiency is through the roof to start the season. He is just tearing up defenses every time he throws the ball. And he is making star players out of unheralded weapons like Dalton Schultz and Cedric Wilson, even more so than CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. Dak Prescott, he is my comeback player of the year at the quarter pole. Uh, David, hard to argue with Dak. He has been the superstar he looked like before the injury uh, and with so many question marks about his shoulder and the recovery this year. Absolutely fantastic to see. David, though, I have to come back into you and say, what, 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 passing on the Broncos? <laughs> what? what? Who, who, who am I talking to here? Wait a minute. <laughs> we, you know who I'm thinking about in Denver. And, and before Miller. I get... And before I get to him, I, I just want to throw one more name out there uh, because this guy, you know, has basically missed two seasons, almost all of 2019 with injury. He opted out in 2020 and he has come back somehow without missing a beat. So I kind of have to just give a quick honorable mention to CJ Mosley of the Jets, who is in process of transforming that defense into a, a, a unit that makes them competitive even dare i say so uh, honorable mention to cj mosley but von miller i mean talk about not missing a beat i mean this guy doesn't age he doesn't he doesn't let the injuries hold him back he comes back every time it's he's he's von miller you know that's it it's, he's von miller and you know he's back to taking over games like only von miller can and keeping these uh, offensive coordinators up at night with their protection plan so i'm going to uh oh, david passing up on your broncos i will take the bronco for you von miller come back player of the uh, year I just do not have the homerism gene that you have, Hal. Let's just put it that way. But I can't argue against Vaughn just like you can't argue against Stack. Both of them are equally deserving, in my opinion, for comeback player of the year honors at the quarter bowl. And how about most improved player? I am going to go to the New York Giants and left tackle Andrew Thomas, the fourth overall pick of the 2020 NFL draft. He was an absolute train wreck as a rookie. And in training camp, the stories of him blowing blocks and in preseason, the story of him getting beat by marginal pass rushers. Oh my God, he's made that all irrelevant in an instant. According to Pro Football Focus, he's like not only one of the top five graded offensive tackles to start the season, he's only allowed Two pressures in four oh. games. Oh, my goodness. Andrew Thomas, what amazing growth that nobody saw. Andrew Thomas, you are my most improved player at the quarter pole. Oh, hard to argue with that. And, and you know, a big reason that Giants offense is, is moving in the right direction. And, you know, maybe for midseason, but not at the quarter pole, I could stay in New York and say, boy, Daniel Jones is looking a lot better this year as well. I, I could almost stay in New York and take him as the most improved player. Oh, do I dare? Uh, well, um, yeah. nah, I can't stay in New York. Come on, we can't. <laughs> no, no East Coast bias going on here. Can we? We can't be doing that, can we, David? So, <laughs> uh, so. No, we've, we've got to turn this 
it's around here for our, for our most improved player here uh, in 2021. So, um, boy, I, I don't think I can do anything as good as you did there, but... <laughs> <laughs> And, and, you know, I, I, I can't go back to, to Trayvon Diggs because that's just lazy as well. And, uh, you know, as, as much as he has improved over this past year as well uh, as a star, I can't really drag myself back that way. Um, you know, and, and I'm going to say just because I want to give him an award because I will admit going into this season, I was not a believer. I said... I don't see any difference between Jared Goff and this guy. Um, but, you know, Matthew Stafford is the brand new quarterback. And, you know, maybe it's the coaching, you know, having the great Sean McVay, who is clearly an offensive genius and maybe has been carrying Jared Goff these few years. But Matthew Stafford does not look like Detroit Lions Matthew Stafford. So, I am going to go and say, just because I want to give it to him, Matthew Stafford, most improved player uh, at the quarter pole here. Yeah, definitely. Matthew Stafford looks like an entirely different player with the Rams than he did with the Lions. And last but not least in our 2021 quarter pole awards, coach of the year. And I am going with gangster, Riverboat, Brandon, Staley as my coach of the year to quarter pole. Say it with me again. Gangster. Gangster. Riverboat. Riverboat. Brandon. Brandon. Staley. Staley. Oh my God. Has he changed the culture in that Chargers building instantaneously or what? Oh my God. The Chargers, not only are they not blowing games, they would have blown in the past. Looking at you Monday night. Uh, I kind of thought that, oh my God, are the Chargers charging again? Are they blowing this lead against the Raiders? They did not. And it's all because of Brandon Staley. He is just doing everything, and I mean everything, to win the game. He's not playing not to lose like Anthony Lynn. He is playing to win by going for it on fourth down, regardless of the distance, because he believes in the killer instinct of Justin Herbert, and rightfully so. He is blending in analytics with real football. He is a new breed of head coach, and it is a breath of fresh air to see him succeeding. Gangster, Riverboat, Brandon Staley, you are my coach of the year at the quarter pole. Should we sound the simpatico alert, Hal? I'll just be difficult and say no. Although I have no reason to go against you, David. You know, I I, got to throw out some of my honorable mentions, and and I'll put Staley in the honorable mention. And and you know that the first-year coaches are always going to get the most love in this award. But, you know, sometimes you got to look back at some of these – long-suffering coaches and say, well, honorable mention, I can throw out old Mr. John Gruden. Nobody had his Raiders at three and one right now, but I'm still not going to give it to Gruden. I look at uh, Carolina, Matt Rule, yeah, coming in from the college game. There's a, yeah, that's a potential coach of the year. And yeah, I could give it to Matt Rule, definitely. But nah, I, I, I'm going to go, you know, there's one, there's one team that's 4-0, and, you know, I had them kind of pegged for about 0-4 at this point, so I've got to give it to the man, Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona at the quarter pole, the coach of the year, you know, year three, year one and two didn't look too good for Cliff, and, you know, he, there was a lot of questions about does he even, you know, is he 
getting another chance this year. And if he fails this year, is he out the door? And he's proving everyone wrong. Uh, he has been just absolutely uh, fantastic in getting that team playing hard on both sides of the ball, uh, changing the culture as well. They've got the right culture out in the desert. So I'll be difficult and go with Cliff. That is not a bad alternative to Brandon Staley because uh, Cliff Kingsbury, he has the Cardinals playing better than almost anybody in the NFL right now. He came in on the hottest of hot seats and he is showing exactly why he needs to keep his job so far. And now it's time to move on to our game called this or that. And you know how this game works. I give a statement with two possible choices and you tell me your choice and why. Speaking of Brandon Staley and Cliff Kingsbury, our respective coaches of the year at the quarter poll, who is more likely to win their division, the Chargers or the Cardinals? Well, oh, God, that that is a toughie because, you know, I mean, there's a lot of games to be played interdivisionally here. Um, Arizona's got the, the Cardinals there. San Francisco's not going anywhere. Seattle, we'll see. Um, but uh, charges, you got Denver, you got the surprising Raiders and you still got that, uh, team led by that quarterback in Kansas city. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it's a tough one. If I have to pick, I'll say Arizona just because there's no Patrick Mahomes in that division. And that'll just swing the needle a little, uh, in the, this or that right there. So I'll stay in Cardinals. That is a fair point, Hal. And which previously unbeaten team got exposed more last week? The Panthers or the Raiders? Uh, I'm going to say the Raiders. I, I think the Panthers, you know, that Dallas offense and defense is playing extremely well right now. Uh, the injuries in Carolina, they're going to have McCaffrey back soon uh, to give a boost to that running game there. The injuries at cornerback, um, you know, we saw they, they went out and got uh, Stefan Gilmore who'll be joining them soon. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think they're so much exposed as uh, you know, yeah, having a little bit of the injury struggles here early in the year, but but the Raiders, we knew what the Raiders are. You know, it, if your quarterback's got to go out there and perform at an insane level to give you a chance to win, yeah, you might not be winning every game that way. And, you know, they they got some tough competition last week. And, um, well, they, yeah, they were exposed on both sides of the ball on Monday night. And I think we saw that. So uh, I would say definitely the Raiders exposed more. Yes, and no offense to Derek Carr, who I think is a legit yes. top 10 quarterback in the NFL. He was before the season. He was, he is now. But Joey Bosa brings up a point about Derek Carr, and uh, I don't think he meant these comments maliciously, but Derek Carr uh, and a lot of my friends uh, who know football better than I do say this, Derek Carr tends to break down a little bit when pressure gets to him. He's not the most elusive quarterback, and uh, he uh, just doesn't seem right after he gets beat up in the pocket. So that is the major flaw in Derek Carr's game. It will always be. So uh, the Chargers did that to him on Monday night. And that is uh, one of the things that got exposed um, on national television on Monday. And which division is worse? The 2020 NFC East or the 2021 AFC South? That's tough. Oh, uh, 
No, uh, it, 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 it's it's the AFC South this year. I mean, as bad as the, the NFC East was, no, no, no. This, I mean, you got Tennessee in first place, and and they can't uh, they can't make a stop to save their lives right now. I mean, I ugh, ugh. Indianapolis is just the the wheels are coming off there. It's you know you got Carson Wentz balancing on two sprained ankles. I, oh, it, Houston garbage. Oh, dumpster fire there. You know, maybe Tyrod can come back and save a few games, but oh, that's deep into the rebuild. And, you know, Jacksonville, um, oh, Urban Meyer, just quit already. I've had enough of you. Go, go, go back to college. We don't want you here. Oh, no, this this AFC stuff, terrible, terrible, terrible. Oh, I agree. And it is not far-fetched that the Titans – and the Jaguars will have the top two picks overall in the 2022 NFL draft. I, as a matter of fact, I think I might bet some money on that in the parlor. Yeah. Should I? <laughs> I think you should. Yeah. Yes. And last but not least for this or that for this week, which one in three team is more likely to make the playoffs, the Vikings or the Stillers? Mm. Shout out to everybody in Pittsburgh. Stillers. That's for yes. you. Yes. Dallas, yeah. Oh, God. I, I think this is an easy one. I think it's the Vikings. Um, you know, Vikings are a better team right now. Pittsburgh's looking up at uh, the my surprising Cincinnati Bengals, six and two. When they're going to, I'm telling you, six and two, week nine. I said that like three weeks ago, backed off on it, and now I'm back. Six and two facing the Browns in the big first place battle. That's, I see it in the future. Plus, you've got Baltimore. Or you know what you're getting with Baltimore. Cleveland is, you know, just like last year, the class of that division. Pittsburgh, I, I, I you know, I, I don't – you're looking at the wild card coming out of the, the AFC North and the AFC West, and I don't think there's enough spots for Pittsburgh. Minnesota, um, you know, NFC East, you're just you, – there's no wild cards there. Um yeah, the South. Yeah, the West. Definitely, you'll have a couple there. But Minnesota's got a legit chance. They're going to leapfrog Chicago in a week or two. There's no doubt about that. Detroit's not a threat. Um, they'll be nipping at the heels of the Packers soon. So definitely Minnesota. And now it's time to analyze our two games of the weekend. We start at SoFi Stadium on Sunday, where the Chargers, fresh off their statement win over the Raiders on Monday night, host the Cleveland Browns in a matchup of strength against strength. Justin Herbert and that high-flying Chargers offense against Miles Garrett and that feisty Browns defense. And when you look at this Browns defense front to back, Arguably the best front four in the entire National Football League. Miles Garrett, Jadeveon Clowney coming off the edge. Malik McDowell and Malik Jackson, the Maliks in the middle. Oh my goodness. They made Justin Fields uh, a humbling debut. They gave him a humbling debut. And they just did the same thing to Kirk Cousins and the high-flying Vikings last week. And if you look at this defense from front to back, so much talent. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. He should have been under consideration for our defensive rookie of the year to quarterback. He is playing lights out. If it wasn't for Micah Parsons or Dante Owe, he would be my pick. Oh, my God, is he amazing. And that secondary, Denzel Ward, rookie Greg Newsom II, John Johnson the third. Oh, my God, this is a talented defense. Do you think the Browns have the best defense in the NFL right now? It's hard to argue against that. 
it, it is hard talent wise no question about it i mean and, and just the depth i mean you you look at that secondary and you say well you still got troy hill over there greedy williams this is uh you know there is depth there there's no doubt about that um you talked about wosu koromoa fantastic malcolm smith in the middle of that defense solid that front four Oh, again, and, and, you know, you still got some depth there. You got Tack McKinley coming off the bench uh, to provide a little pass rush help as well. So uh, such a strong, you know, Cleveland, so much talk about that offense, but yeah, you're hundred percent correct, David, that defense is just lights out right now and definitely may be playing the best of anybody in the NFL right now. Hard to argue against that indeed, but speed of good defense the Chargers defense ain't too shabby either, thanks to defensive wizard Brandon Staley. And that is gangster riverboat Brandon Staley. <laughs> so far this season, the Chargers defense under gangster riverboat Brandon Staley, they have held all of their opponents to their lowest point total of the season. And last week, the Browns, they had to gut out a win in Minnesota almost solely behind their defense as Baker Mayfield struggled pretty badly. Do you think Baker Mayfield needs to play his best game of the year to date in order for the Browns to eke out another win against the Chargers on Sunday? Oh, definitely. Without a doubt, David. Um, you know, he's got to be on top of his game. There's no margin of error. I mean, we're talking about this is a heavyweight battle. These are two of the best teams in the conference right now. And it this game is going to come down to, you know, may just be one or two plays that either get made or don't get made that swing the entire balance of this game. And uh, Baker Mayfield, you're not going to be able to lean on that running game as much as you have at times this year. So he's got to be sharp. He's got to make some uh, plays out there. Um, And yeah, he's got to be on top of his game. No doubt about it. Definitely. The Browns are going to need a lot more out of Baker to pull off the upset on Sunday, although it won't be that much of an upset if the Browns win, but a slight upset, so to speak. And now let's talk about the key matchups in this game. And it obviously all starts up front with that elite Browns front four, as I mentioned a couple minutes ago, going up against the new and vastly improved Chargers offensive line led by rookie Rashawn Slater, left tackle and all pro Corey Lindsley at center. But the matchup I am watching is obviously Miles Garrett. I think they're going to put him on the right side for most of the game. Uh, Jadevian Clowney, I think they're going to put on Rashawn Slater. Uh, Miles Garrett, they're going to want to put him against the weakest link in that Chargers offensive line. Kurt, uh, backup right tackle Storm Norton, who is uh, starting in place of Brian Bulaga. And uh, the Chargers are going to have to keep multiple tight ends in, I believe, for much of the game to, to keep Miles Garrett as far away from Justin Herbert as possible. And uh, Baker Mayfield's going to have to play a great game, but obviously so is Miles Garrett. He is going to have to be in Justin Herbert's face all game and going up against Storm Norton and whatever tight end or running back they have on him is going to be the matchup I'm looking at in this game the most. Yeah, that's a great point, David. And and Storm Norton had a great game on Monday night as well, holding up against uh, the Raiders, whose pass rush had been uh, dominating so far this year and uh, Storm Norton was one of those great games where you know for the offensive lineman when you don't hear your name called during the game that means you're doing something right and that was the Storm Norton so yeah definitely a a Donald Parham game as you would say is that the tight end uh, being attached to Norton's hip most likely definitely 
definitely a matchup to watch. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I'm excited to see, uh, you know, with Cleveland, can they get that passing game? We talked about uh, Baker Mayfield, but but how about those receivers against this Chargers secondary? How is that going to happen? And, you know, Odell Beckham, rusty, rusty, rusty Odell Beckham last week. And, you know, the surprising Donovan Peoples-Jones and the tight end duo that they have there, Najoku and, and Hooper. And they, wait a minute, tight ends, who are they going to run into? Derwin James. Uh-oh. So, yeah, this is going to be a fun matchup there to see that secondary. Um, you know, old friend Chris Harris Jr., rookie Asante Samuel Jr., um, you know, so, some strong players in that secondary for the Chargers against going up. And, you know, if they can blanket that passing attack for Cleveland and uh, get them off the field on third down, ooh, that's going to change that whole game. Yeah, and Asante Samuel Jr., he is another defensive rookie of the year uh, that we should have mentioned uh, in our quarter poll awards. He has been absolutely lights out to start his NFL career, and his uh, dad, Asante Sr., is a very proud papa at this moment, I guarantee you. And who do you have winning on Sunday in this game of strength against strength, the Chargers offense against that Browns defense? Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be, a, you know, obviously a close game. I don't think anybody's blowing anybody out here, but um, I think the Chargers offense is going to do just enough and, and their defense will slow down Cleveland just enough. Maybe one big stop at the end of the game. Chargers 20, Cleveland 16. Sound that simpatico alert, Hal! I have the Chargers winning for the exact same reasons you listed. I think Justin Herbert at the end is going to make one play too many for the Browns to overcome. And I think the Chargers defense uh, slows down Baker Mayfield when they need to. Chargers 20, Browns 17, almost the same final score. Ooh, as I love it. Are almost totally simpatico there. And on Sunday night at Arrowhead, the Chiefs playing host to the team that you consider the favorite to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl at this time, the Buffalo Bills. And Matt Verderami, uh, forgive me if I mispronounce that name, Matt. Uh, he is the main NFL reporter for Fansided.com. He brought up a good point earlier in the week saying that the Chiefs' inability to cover running backs and tight ends is arguably the worst aspect of their god-awful defense so far this year. Yet... <laughs> The Bills do not utilize those two positions in the passing game as much. Sigmund Bloom, another great football mind from uh, the esteemed fantasy football website, footballguys.com, he added that given Buffalo's lack of adjustments in week one when the Steelers limited the Bills' wide receivers, he is not optimistic about Brian Dable, as gifted a play caller as he is, in taking advantage of that massive weakness in the Chiefs' defense. Do you think the Bills need to use their running backs and tight ends in the passing game a lot more than usual in order to win on Sunday night? Um, they probably do, but they probably won't. I, I don't see the bills getting that third down back type of situation out there regularly. Um, unless they fall way behind, you know, 10, 14 plus points. And then you'll probably see somebody like Matt Breida out there the entire time. Um, provided he can stay on the field the entire time. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 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 I think they're going to, play to their own strengths. I think they're going to look at that, um, that chiefs team and say, you know, um, in that secondary, you know, keep an eye out for Tyron Matthew, but otherwise just keep attacking it like everyone else has been doing. 
And, you know, for the Bills, that that offense, those receivers are going to be a tough matchup, I think, uh, for Kansas City. You, you know what Stefan Diggs can do? You know, Cole Beasley, slippery as they come, coming out of the slot. But the player that's impressed me the most has been Emmanuel Sanders and his fit and his fountain of youth he's found there in Buffalo. I didn't think to look in Buffalo for the fountain of youth, but Emmanuel Sanders seems to have found it. And he's given that offense that one little thing they were missing last year, that third option at wide receiver. And uh, they've seen the results so far with the offense. Keep in mind, however, last year, the Chiefs defense held Josh Allen to his lowest single game passing yardage total, and that was in Josh Allen's MVP-esque 2020 campaign. And hopefully for the Bills' sake, Emmanuel Sanders can solve the riddle that the Chiefs defense posed to Josh Allen last year. But speaking of Josh's, there's another Josh wearing red in this game for the first time, and I'm obviously talking about Josh Gordon. Just a couple days ago, the Chiefs elevated Josh Gordon to their 53-man roster, and he will indeed play in this game. And you said it right from the beginning this summer. The Chiefs' depth at wide receiver and tight end was very concerning outside of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And hopefully for their sake, Josh Gordon can be that legit third option in the passing game to breathe even more life into that dangerous passing attack. How big of a factor do you think Josh Gordon will be in this game, which will be his first as a Chief? The Chiefs, however, have been very impressed with him so far. Yeah, I mean, you expect him to be knocking off rust, but if there's one thing about Josh Gordon, um, you know, Coming back with Seattle, uh, coming back with New England, he's stepped right in and contributed. I mean, you just can't, you know, size doesn't need that adjustment and freakish athletic ability. Uh, as long as that's still there, Josh Gordon should be able to make an impact in that game. And, you know, uh, like you said, David, you know, such a huge step up over, you know, as well as they've tried this year, you know, McCole Hardman, I don't see the step, that next step coming out of him. Demarcus Robinson, a great fourth or fifth receiver. Nothing wrong with that, but you're not a top three receiver. And jury's still out on Byron Pringle. So, yeah, they desperately need that. I think Josh Gordon, not a lot of rust to see out there. Will be stepping in and probably playing more snaps than we than anybody anticipated uh, prior to this game. How many targets do you think he'll get? I think he'll get at least seven. Mm. I think yeah, a lot. Of course, I also think the Chiefs might be playing from behind in the uh, second half as well. So that uh, might be part of my prediction. Yeah. <laughs> right. That is fair. What key matchups are you looking for in this game Sunday night? So you know. The, the big improvement, what Buffalo went out to fix this offseason, the reason, a big reason they thought they lost the AFC championship is that pass rush. So you know what you've got in Jerry Hughes when we talk about ageless pass rushers like Vaughn Miller, uh, Jerry Hughes as well, just no stop there. But the youth, the AJ Epinesa, I'm going to mangle that name <laughs> and the impressive rookie Gregory Rousseau has just been breathing life into that Buffalo defense and giving it that one missing thing that it had was that pass rush and now with Rousseau and teaming up with Hughes Epinesa as well coming off the edge you still got Ed Oliver in the middle of that defense 
that's a pass rush that can cause problems for Patrick Mahomes. Yes, and you mentioned Ed Oliver. Thank goodness, because Ed Oliver, um, going into the 2019 draft, I thought he and Nick Bosa would be the first two picks overall. And uh, Ed Oliver had a very promising rookie year, and he slipped last year for some reason. But he is finally playing like that elite special talent that I thought Buffalo got when he came into the NFL. Don't you? I I agree 100%. I you know, I when they drafted Ed Oliver in that first round, I said, oh, what a gift, Oliver, dropping to the Bills. He's going to be wreaking havoc for the next 10 years. They got themselves a stud, and he, you know, flashed that in his rookie season. And then, like you said, I don't know, he, he disappeared last year, but but he's definitely looked back to be back and disruptive. And, and maybe it's just a matter of, you know, the offenses have to pay a little more attention to the edges now. Uh, and he's not double teamed as much and he gets a little less attention and is holding his own, but yeah, Ed Oliver, definitely a disruptive, disruptive pocket pusher there for Buffalo right now. And Ed Oliver He's going to have quite the challenge this week, lining up across from two amazing, and I mean amazing, rookie interior offensive lineman and chief center Creed Humphrey and guard Trey Smith. Oh, my God, Trey Smith is looking like highway thievery. They got him in like the sixth round. Sixth round, yeah. He is already looking like a stud for the Chiefs at guard. He, Creed Humphrey, Joe Tooney, you just put two of those guys against Ed Oliver at once. That could be the difference in this game. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, if they can, again, if they can give Patrick Mahomes space, uh, the ability to step up in that pocket, uh, that's, you know, he's one of those quarterbacks you've got to make uncomfortable to have a chance to slow him down. You know, he goes from that, uh, you know, 90% completion rate to down to 66% with pressure in his face, but <laughs> whatever those numbers are. But yeah, Mahomes, you got to get that inside push and that beefed up interior offensive line has been fantastic for the Chiefs so far. Indeed. And another matchup that came to my mind, uh, that Buffalo secondary against Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. I believe uh, they're going to uh, keep uh, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, their two safeties, as uh, far down the field as possible, not letting Tyreek Hill beat them over the top. They're going to force the Chiefs to attack them underneath. And that's where their two linebackers, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, two very, very good players, by the way, uh, come in. Are any of them up to the task of uh, at least trying to contain Travis Kelsey? That's a big question. That is a big question. And, and it's not a matter of, containing him it's a matter of slowing him down i mean the man is just too big too strong too athletic you you don't stop him you contain him um and and that's all that they're gonna have to do um you know i mean tyreek hill you saw the chargers and baltimore drop those safeties deep and say we're not getting beat over the top by tyreek hill and oh wait what two games did Kansas City lose this year? Oh, oh, Baltimore and the Chargers. Okay. Uh, what, when teams let him get free, uh, you know, we saw it in the opening week with Cleveland where he had that typical Tyreek Hill game. We saw Philadelphia. I don't, I, 
forget to cover him. I don't know what the heck they were doing in Philadelphia last week. That was embarrassing, but, but yeah, he's got to be your primary focus. You've got to devote those safeties to take it to, to taking that deep side of the field and say, Hey, you know, you want to beat us with Edward Hilaire, take your best shot, Kansas city. We'll let you do that all day. Um, and you know, I think that's the, that's the key to, to beating the chiefs right now. Yep, as shown by Vic Fangio and Todd Bowles last year. Keep those safeties deep. Do not let the Chiefs get those explosive plays. Make them earn every yard is the key indeed. And when you flip sides for a second, um, a matchup I'm looking at is Tyron Matthew, who just might be the best defensive player on this uh, struggling Chiefs defense right now against Josh Allen. He, I think, is going to be charged of keeping his eyes on Josh Allen Um throughout most of the game and trying to bait him into mistakes. That is going to be a big key for this chiefs defense to get back on track this week. Oh yeah. They're, they're going to have to create turnovers uh, and hope that, you know, whether it's um, you know, Chris Jones and Frank Clark can generate some pressure and get uh, Josh Allen looking like he did in, you know, the beginning of the season where he had a couple of uh, clunker games um, maybe that's, maybe that's their best bet and, and creating those turnovers. And as we know, there's nobody better than the honey badger there to, to turn a game quickly with a interception or pick six and take it all the way. He is just a dynamic playmaker on the defense. And so, yeah, I, I definitely see Kansas city, uh, using him as that, uh, you know, go out there and make a play kind of role right in this game, because they're desperately going to need that against Buffalo. Who do you think prevails Sunday night in Kansas city, the bills or the chiefs? I'm going with the AFC super bowl favorite Buffalo bills. Uh, It's going to look a little closer, uh, you know, because, you know, you're going to have that furious charge from Patrick Mahomes. You can contain him for a half, three quarters, but you're never going to stop the guy. It just doesn't happen. But Buffalo jumps out to that early lead, holds on to it at the end. Buffalo 35, Kansas City 30. The Sapotico alert is not in service for this one. I am going <laughs> with the Kansas City Chiefs. I just do not see Patrick Mahomes dropping two in a row at home. I just do not. And how do the Chiefs pull it off? Stay tuned for bold predictions. And now let's pick all the rest of these week five games, starting with tonight in Seattle, where the Seattle Seahawks off that big must win against the 49ers host the Rams coming off that debacle against the Cardinals. This is going to be a close game. I think I really do. It's a division matchup, two great quarterbacks going at it. I have been going back and forth all day, but I just do not want to bet against Russell Wilson losing <laughs> two in a row at home either. If the Rams were at home, I'd pick the Rams, but Ty goes to the home team. I like the Seahawks in a very close game, 27-24. Oh, yeah, close game, definitely. I, I don't think that Rams defense is as bad as it looked last week, and it looked pretty bad. But, um, you know, we'll just say that's the Cliff Kingsbury effect and, and leave it at that. I, I see the Rams bouncing back this week. Uh, Seattle, I hate to pick against Seattle at home, but Rams 27, Seahawks 20. And on Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time, I will actually be waking up to watch Zach Wilson and the Jets take on the Atlanta Falcons from London. And 
the Atlanta Falcons, they just showed last week why they are just the new super chokers, if you know what I mean. They <laughs> just find every single way to blow a game. And I just love the way the Jets played last week. Their defense is like an unheralded unit. And I think the biggest difference in this game is the mismatch between the Falcons offensive line and big Quinn and Williams in that Jets defensive line. Quinn and Williams, he is becoming an absolute stud right in front of our eyes. And Sheldon Rankins, he's found yes. new life in that Robert Sala defense. They are just going to give Matt Ryan fits all game long. Zach Wilson uh, just will uh, continue his great play from last week and light it up against an atrocious Falcons pass defense. I like the Jets. Ooh, I like that pick, David, but not simpatico. We've got offensive player of the year for the quarter, Cordero Patterson in Atlanta. The touchdowns are just going to keep coming. The Jets defense is improving. It's not there yet. Atlanta is going to figure out how to use Kyle Pitts. They got to get him more involved in that offense as well. I don't think the Jets are going to be able to do enough to stop that offense. I've got Atlanta 24, Jets 21, but it will be close. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that game turns out. Could easily go either way. The Miami Dolphins, still led by Jacoby Brissett, off to that abysmal one and three start. Oh, my God. Them passing over Justin Herbert for Tua is looking Ugh. like the biggest mistake of the 2020 NFL draft so far. Oh, my goodness. What did the Ugh. Dolphins do wrong? What do they get wrong? It's going to be a question asked for decades. The Miami Dolphins doesn't get better for them. They have to travel to Tampa to take on the Bucs. The Bucs might be hurting a lot right now, especially in that secondary. But do you seriously expect Jacoby Brissett to keep pace with Tom Brady in that offense? I do not. I think the Bucs win. It might be a little lower scoring than expected, but I think the Bucs come away with a 24-13 win. Yeah. Um, I feel bad for the Dolphins because after that 10 and six season last year, they really looked ready to, you know, they really believed they were going to challenge Buffalo and Tua was going to take that next step. And it, it just hasn't happened. I will say, I think it's going to be lower scoring as well. Uh, I think it's going to be closer than people expect. Again, um, just like Bill Belichick did against Tom Brady last week. He's got his uh, yeah, that former protege, Brian Flores in Miami as well, who may know a thing or two about slowing down Tom Brady. So we'll make it close, but Tampa takes it 20 to 17 over the Dolphins. Oh, that wouldn't be surprising either. Brian Flores easily uh, the most gifted of those Belichick protégés, in my opinion. He will definitely yes. have a hard plan for the Bucks, And if they don't have Gronk, uh, that uh, yeah. even makes me more confident in your pick there, Hal. And yeah. your New England Patriots traveling to Houston to take on former executive Nick Casario and his Houston Texans. Uh, but that said, that's not the biggest headline in this game. If Tyrod Taylor was playing this game, I might have given the Texans a puncher's chance. But with Davis Mills, I just don't see it. That Patriots defense and Bill Belichick will just create more nightmares for him. And the Patriots uh, win, let's say, 23 to 3. Again, Tyra Taylor made, made a heck of a difference in that offense in the beginning of the season. I just don't see it happening. I think Lovey Smith might be able to, uh, you know, maybe slow down the Mac Jones for a little while, but I don't think it's going to happen uh, consistently throughout the game. And uh, I've got it as well. 
what did I say? 22 to nine Patriots over Houston, an ugly game. And speaking of ugly games, we could have an ugly divisional game as the Tennessee Titans travel to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. And yes, Trevor Lords played the best game of his young career so far. And I think he's going to have another good game this week against the Titans defense, but the urban Meyer factor. Oh my God. He is the worst hire they could have made. It's looking like, Oh my God. And the fact that they didn't fire him already just boggles me. He should have been fired. When you lose the trust of your players, you fire that coach immediately. You just do. Oh, have to. Oh, Oh my God. He is just a cloud hanging over that team right now. And I think it's going to be just too much to overcome. It's going to be a close game because the tight Stevens is bad. Trevor Lawrence is going to keep the Jaguars in the game. But like last week, the more veteran team pulls away with the win. And that's the Titans in this case. It was the Bengals last Thursday. It's the Titans this week. Titans 27, Jaguars 23. Well, Jacksonville's got to win a game sometime, right, David? I mean, is it going to be 0-17? I mean, they got the Jets in December, but no. This is the week in Duval. Jacksonville 31, Tennessee's putrid defense can't hold up. 31-29, Jacksonville gets win number one. Ooh, that is your upset special of the week, Hal. I like it. The Detroit Lions, who I saw last week at Soldier Field, traveling to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. And the Detroit Lions, they absolutely moved the ball very well last week against the Bears, but they just shot themselves in the foot But this week, it gets even harder. They're going against a very tough Minnesota Vikings defense, and the Vikings offense will do exactly what Justin Fields did to that Lions secondary last week. Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson absolutely shred them through the air. Uh, Give Dalvin Cook a rest. Alexander Madison can handle this game all by himself. The Vikings win a pretty easy one, 34-20. Yeah, I'm going to make it a little closer just because it's a divisional game, and sometimes that strange stuff happens interdivisional. But, yeah, Detroit, I mean, what what was it, three times inside the 10 and no points in the first three drives of the game? I mean, that's just atrocious. Minnesota's going to win. I'll let, uh, you know, garbage time golf throw a couple of fourth quarter touchdowns in my uh, score prediction. And so it may be – 22 to eight at the start of the fourth quarter, but the final is Minnesota 25, Detroit 22. The old lion Aaron Rodgers traveling to Cincinnati to take on the new young tiger, Joe Burrow and those Northern Bayou Bengals. Oh my God. And when you look at this game, look at how banged up the Packers are. Zadarius Smith, not playing Jair Alexander, could be out for the year. Oh my God, that defense is about to take a big, big drop off and going against Joe Burrow. T. Higgins is going to be back this game. My offensive rookie of the year at the quarter pole, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and that Bengals offense. I smell an upset here and I am going to go with the upset. I'm yeah. going with the Cincinnati Bengals over the Packers as my upset special of the week. Can we sound the simpatico alert? You got it, David. I've got Cincinnati. This is a team of destiny. I'm telling you, six and two hosting Cleveland in week nine. It's going to happen. Cincinnati 29, Green Bay 28. 
How does this upset special happen? I've got more for my bold prediction on this one. My Denver Broncos coming off a humbling loss to the Ravens, traveling to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. And while it does look that Teddy Bridgewater is on track to play in this game, I just do not trust that Broncos offensive line against that Steelers front. It's going to be an ugly, low-scoring game. The defenses are going to have theirs. But in the end, I fully trust Ben Roethlisberger still, zombie Ben Roethlisberger, <laughs> even more than Teddy Bridgewater to make uh, the game deciding plan. Oh, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be low scoring. But in the end, uh, Ben Roethlisberger makes just enough plays, and that Steelers front proves to be the difference. Steelers 13, Broncos 9. Ugh. You, know, you want to talk ugly, David. Let's talk that that offensive line in Pittsburgh, you know, because there's no protection for – for Ben Roethlisberger, and and how many Steelers times? Steelers offensive line is better than the Broncos offensive line. Uh, Broncos got potential up there, you know. The the Steelers have got, you know, you know no, I, 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 by the end, by by midseason, Broncos offensive line much better than the Steelers, I, and I just think of you know how many times is Ben Roethlisberger going to get hit by Von Miller before he says yeah, no moss. No moss. I'm uh, checking out. Draymond Jones. Draymond Jones. Yeah. Do yeah. Exactly. So uh, I'm giving this to the Broncos I, again. Yeah, low scoring, uh, ugly. We'll put it in the ugly category. But Denver 19, Pittsburgh 16. Yeah, Hal. Uh, it's going to be interesting. And I'll tell you what. If you're right about the Broncos being the Steelers, I'm going to be wearing a dunce cap on my social media profiles all week long. That is a promise. It'll be my apology to all of Broncos country for doubting the Broncos against the Steelers. Should you be proven right? Hal bent and the new Orleans saints fresh off that embarrassing overtime loss to the New York giants traveling to Washington to take on the Washington football team. I have a feeling that this is the game. The Washington football team defense, the real Washington football team defense shows up and wins the game for them. I like Washington in this game. Uh, you know, I, I have no idea with these teams. These two teams confuse me. I, every time I think I have an idea on their identity, I'm proven wrong. So I, I, I just flipped a coin in this one. I just couldn't call it. Uh, came up heads. So that's New Orleans. 17-13 over Washington. Oh, so we're not simpatico there. Not simpatico we there. I assume we're simpatico on this one. The Philadelphia Eagles traveling to Carolina to take on the Panthers. Panthers should have Chris McCaffrey back for this game. He practiced today. That's always a good sign for his availability on Sunday. And uh, that defense, uh, even though they were humbled uh, by the Cowboys, the Eagles offense is not the Cowboys offense. Yes, Devontae Smith is going to be a very good player in this league for a long time, if not a great player. Jalen Hurts uh, is, is much better than a lot of people thought, but he's not quite there yet. And this Panthers defense is going to make life miserable for him, especially with Lane Johnson likely to miss this game. Brian Burns and that Panthers front, they are going to be in Jalen Hurts' face all game long. And the Carolina Panthers are going to do more than enough on offense to win a pretty easy game, 24 to 10. I, I think it'll be closer. I, I was really looking at this one and saying, you know, can I convince myself Jalen Hurts can do enough? Is he going to rip off a 75-yard run or something? Is he, you know, is, is there going to be a couple of deep shots? Maybe, you know, Carolina's secondary might, you know, hit Quez Watkins or something for an 80-yard pass. Is there enough there? And I, 
I tried to convince myself desperately, but I couldn't do it. Um, I'll make it much closer though. Carolina 27, Philadelphia 24. The Chicago Bears and starting quarterback, Justin Fields. Thank Yay. you, Bears, for doing the right thing. Uh, word has it that the pressure came from the front office to tell Matt Nagy, we have to ride this kid for the rest of the season and beyond. He is our future of the future is now. And what a difference a uh, new play caller makes. Bill Lazor, yeah. excellent game plan last week. And I think the Bears have a chance against this Raiders team. I really do because uh, – Last week, uh, the Chargers showed how you can attack them offensively. I think Justin Fields can attack them deep uh, with that deep ball strength. I think the Bears keep this game closer than most people think. But in the end, I just do not trust the Bears' defense to stop Derek Carr. It's going to be close. I like the Raiders in this game to win, but I think the Bears cover the spread. Raiders 30, Bears 27. I'll take it a step further and take one of those touchdowns off the board for the Raiders. Bears 27, Raiders 24. Oh my God. I think Fields, protect him. He'll take you home. I'm going with the Bears. I'm buying into it. Oh my God, Hal. You have picked two, my two favorite teams in the world to win this week, and I predicted them to lose. If you are right on both of them, I'm going to have to be wearing double dunce caps this week on my social media profile. Oh my goodness, Hal. Oh my goodness. I hope you're right and I'm wrong. Fingers extra crossed extra hard. The New York Giants and Steely Dan. Oh my God. Steely Dan, he is playing like a franchise quarterback so far this season. He is not the problem in New York. He just might be the long-term answer after all. And by Steely Dan, I mean Daniel Jones, Jones. Danny Dimes. That, that oh, nigga, that's man. terrible. I prefer oh. Steely Dan. Steely uh, Dan yes. looks like he just has a chance to be reeling in the years in New yeah. York for the next decade or so. Taking on Dak Prescott, my quarter pole comeback player of the year, and the Dallas Cowboys. I think the Cowboys win this game but I think the Giants keep it close throughout. Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, uh, Kadarius Toney, scheme up some plays for him. He could make you a big player too. That game is going to be very, very close, but I just trust Dak to make the big plays more than Daniel Jones at this time. But the Giants will continue to improve in this game, regardless of the outcome. Cowboys 31, Giants 27. Yeah, I mean, I, I looked the same way, David. I said, you know... The Giants, you start featuring Kenny Galladay. Let him be your number one receiver, please. Like you said, get Kadarius Tony involved. You drafted him there for a reason. Put him in your game plan. And yeah, you've got to get Saquon Barkley uh, on track. You've just got to get him involved in that offense. But we talked about that Dallas defense earlier and those young playmakers and Dak as well. And Yes, I know it's a divisional game and things can go crazy. And we've seen over the years some of these weird Giants-Cowboys games that just you can't explain those endings sometimes. But this time, yeah, it'll be close, but Dallas will take it 24 to 20. The 49ers, and at this moment, although they're still hopeful that Jimmy Garoppolo will play, it looks to me as if Trey Lance is going to make his first NFL start traveling to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. This is a potential trap game for the Cardinals, oh, the yeah. NFL's lone unbeaten team. I still think the Cardinals win, but I fully expect based on my gut instinct that the 49ers cover the spread and make it extra difficult. 
Yeah, this is a tough one. You know, I mean, the 49ers, I mean, the, oh, the special teams problems last week, you know, just did them in. Um, their defense started out so strong and then just fell apart in the second half. Uh, Trey Lance, you know, looked, well, he looked like a rookie quarterback is what he looked like. And, you know, yeah, he'll be more prepared this week. And, you know, sometimes these young guys coming off the bench, it's it's tough for them. But, you know, I really was thinking this, you know, this could be one of those games the Cardinals could drop. But I just, yeah, it, yeah. With Lance, I, I don't think the 49ers will have enough offensive consistency. Uh, I'll give it to the Cardinals 27 to 20. Yeah, Cardinals 27-20. That is uh, pretty much where I had it as well. And on Monday Night Football, the Indianapolis Colts, who came away with their first win of the year, albeit against a struggling Miami Dolphins team, traveling to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. I don't think this primetime game is going to be close at all. I just think the Ravens just run away with this game in the second half. The Colts' defense might keep it a little respectable throughout the, the first quarter, maybe first quarter and a half. But in the end, I, I just don't see a, a Colts' defense that's not 100% stopping Lamar Jackson and an offense that's missing Quentin Nelson running the ball in that Ravens front. Not going to happen. Ravens, 34, Colts, 14. Pretty close to that, David. Um, I'm right with you on that. I think I'll be nodding off uh, by halftime in front of the TV myself. So uh, I, I don't think it's going to be close. I Looking at this defense going against Carson Wentz, and I'm thinking bloodbath. So, yeah, Baltimore 30, Indianapolis 10. Uh, this is the blowout of the week. And now it's time for our bowl predictions for week five. And we start with me in the Chiefs-Bills game. I have the Chiefs winning 31-24 to over the Bills. What is the difference of that game? Tyron Matthew. He picked sixes, Josh Allen, twice. That is my bold prediction. Two pick sixes mm. for Tyron Matthew to be the deciding factor in the Bills-Chiefs Sunday night game. Hal, we go to Cincinnati for your bold prediction for week five. First, let me say, David, you, you'll make my wife very happy. The Honey Badger is her favorite player in the NFL, so uh, she'll be rooting for those two pick sixes. I guarantee that. Uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, here we go. Joe Burrow. It's Wincinnati. Win, Wincinnati right now. Joe Burrow, four touchdown passes, but the fourth one with less than 30 seconds to play in the game. Not only connecting on the tying the touchdown to cut the lead to one. Oh, no, no. Not going for any uh, kick the extra point and go to overtime. Two-point conversion. The Jamar Chase, 29 to 28 lead there. And for the bonus, bold prediction, Aaron Rodgers, you know, 30 seconds is too much time to give Aaron Rodgers at the end of the game, but not unless Trey Hendrickson with the big sack to end the last gasp effort. Shocking upset. Paul Brown Stadium goes insane. That's how the Bengals are going to do it. That's my bold prediction. I like it. The jungle is going to be roaring loud when that happens. And last but not least, we conclude our program, as always, with our challenge flags. Hal, you go first here. All right. So uh, Cliff Kingsbury. I'm going to bring out these obscure facts for you. The last time Arizona was 4-0 was 2012. They followed that 4-0 stat with a nine-game losing streak, and they finished 5-11. and 
Now, granted, this is the Kevin Kolb era at quarterback, the very short Kevin Kolb era. <laughs> Kevin Cobb, but, it was. The L was Cobb, sorry, Cobb. Yes, sorry. Pardon me. Forget history, Cliff. Forget the curse of the Cardinals. Forge ahead to victory. That's my challenge flag. Do it this week. Get that fifth win. Get that monkey off your back. And in the strongest division in the NFC, keep piling up those wins early and often. I tipped my hand on my challenge flag earlier, but I'm going to throw it anyway. My challenge is to Jaguars owner Shad Khan. Do right by your rookie quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, by firing Urban Meyer ASAP. What he did just irreparably lost trust amongst way too many players in that locker room. And another thing, Urban Meyer isn't used to losing this much in the pros. That is not the coach Trevor Lawrence needs to learn how to grow up and learn what the NFL is. Trevor Lawrence, was, like Urban Meyer, he was a constant winner in high school, a constant winner in college. But the NFL, as he's coming to know, is an entirely different animal, and he needs a coach to help him through the ups and downs. Urban Meyer is not that guy. Plus, he breached the trust of the locker room. He is a guy that should be fired right away. You are doing right by Trevor Lawrence by doing that. Do right by him now. And he is Hal Beth, ladies and gentlemen, of full press coverage and bostonsportpage.com. Hal, thank you so much once again for joining us. And that's it for today here on Sports Crush. We'll be back same time next week with special guest Mark Schofield to recap week five, preview week six, and discuss all the latest news and notes from around the National Football League. So stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to follow Hal on Twitter at HalBent01. You can also follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and Instagram at SportsCrunch with dcrom. And remember, that is Crunch with a K. Also, check out the new and improved SportsCrunch.com. For Hal Bent, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, stay safe, stay sane. And if you haven't done so yet, please get your COVID-19 vaccine. I promise you, literally, literally promise you that it will help save your life. But if you don't want a vaccine, please do whatever is required to protect yourself and your loved ones. Take care, cats, kittens, and stay cool.